Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I am Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at foodafan.com. And this, I believe, is episode 30. So thank you again, everybody, so much for. For、uh, listening in. I mean, we've been doing this now for just over a year now, and that wouldn't be possible without everybody's support. So, thank you all very, very much.、Um, and we do have some reviews that we want to read today.、Uh, before I get there, we're almost running out of reviews to read. I think I've just got like five or six more、uh, reviews left. But are, are we running out of all the reviews, or are we running out of the five star reviews? No, all of the reviews. We, we have all five star reviews except for one,、okay. the one that said we were too political.、Okay. Um, but let me, read,、uh, let me read this review.、Mm. Um, so they say five stars, as if an informative tour guide took you by the hand and took you pen shopping.、Um, funny, cute, informative podcast about the Japanese fountain pen scene that is often inaccessible due to language barrier for Western audiences. CY and Jacob are extremely well informed on not only the news, but also the fun dramas of the world of fountain pens and inks in Japan. Great balance between the two hosts makes it enjoyable and fun to listen to. If you love fountain pens, it's definitely worth a try. If you love Japanese fountain pens, you must give it a try. My only sadness is that it is only updated every,、uh, once every two weeks. I just, it takes a lot of effort to make content like this. There's no shortage of quality here. And the review is written by Zakwile. I'm sorry, I cannot say this name. I know who it is. I, I know exactly who it is.、Uh, but I can't say、uh, this name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, in the United States. So this was written in February. Thank you so much, Zakule, for your awesome and very detailed review. We appreciate it a lot. So, is this the first time our podcast has been called Cute? No, it is not. I think it's the second <laughs> or third time. All right. And then the second one、um, that I want to read is five stars. It's from Australia. So. Uh, it's not from the United States, which is always you know, great to see that th- we have such a variety in terms,、mm. of, um, in terms of geography. This one is sent in by D. The Besten via Apple Podcasts in March. And、uh, it was submitted on March 1st. And the title is Well done, Alessa. This episode、uh, is great with good, vibrant discussion. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well done indeed.、Uh, thank you, thank you. And for all of you,、um, you know, we have this tradition of reading、uh, reviews, but we're running out of reviews to read, which means you, dear listener,、uh, we need you to help us write reviews. And, you know, it takes maybe about three minutes of your time. Help us write a review on Apple Podcast. Share it. Make it your Instagram stories. Make it your Instagram stories. I want to see my feed. Filled up with Instagram stories about this episode because this episode is going to be epic. We delayed it for about four weeks, but we're going to have a fantastic episode today. All right, but、yeah. um, before we get there,、uh, we're, we're going to talk about my visit to the Nagahara Pen Clinic、mm. today. Before we get there,、uh, we do have some things that we want to cover,、uh, you know, and also just tease out、mm. the. 
the suspense a little longer. So, Jacob, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so normally you're the one doing all the acquisitions or the bulk of them, but I think this time maybe I got more pens because I've been a bit of a sort of pilot shopping spree, and I partially blame Leo for that. So in the uh, in the episode with Leo, we we talked. Well, I mentioned this signature nib, and I was because I read about it in Sunamistan's book, or it was briefly mentioned in Sunamistan's book, and I couldn't find it. But then Leo said that they're not actually that um, uncommon, especially you can find them in, uh, in in pocket pants. So I started searching again, and suddenly I found one on Mercury for a fantastic price. Of so I just bought that one. Um, I think the pen is the Pilot Super 200. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it doesn't say as far as I know on the pen, but looking at the photos online, it seems to be a Super 200. Now, let's talk about the nib first and then the, the filling systems. Um, so, I, I got it because I was interested in this signature nib, and I would sort of describe it as somewhere between you know a B and a BB, or a Pilot B or BB in, uh, in thickness. But the thing is, like normally when you think of a broad nib, you sort of associate that with kind of smooth writing experience, right? But this nib, I would, I would describe as quite feedbacky. Now, if you look at it up close, for like a macro lens or a loop, it doesn't. It looks like it's perfectly aligned. It doesn't look like there's any problem with it, like anyone has tried to do any bad grind or anything. It looks perfect, right? But it's clearly faceted, and 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 when you write with it, it is definitely. Feedback. I would even say more feedback than well, definitely more feedback than modern um, B nibs. Did you get a chance to to write with this pen? I have not because um, when you got this pen and you told me it's a switch filler, I said, "Wow, great! Do you have a sack for it?" <laughs> and you're like, "What's a sack?" Uh, I just <laughs> eyedroppered it, and I told you that you are crazy because that would make it leak. You said, no, no leaking so far. See, I droppered the, the, the switch filler, and I was very suspicious. And uh, we met on, I think, Monday or something. Yeah. And, uh, and you hand me this pen. The first thing I do is I open it up because I want to see what yeah. kind of switch filler doesn't leak yeah, when you yeah. eyedropper it. And it leaks all over <laughs> my hands. So it's been in quarantine. Right. So, yeah, so, so I, I got a pen and I was very impatient. I wanted to, to write with it. And a very quick research suggested that there would be some kind of sack. I couldn't see clearly. But as you said, you know, the actual like, switch seemed to be stuck. So I, I, I'm just going to eyedrop it. And I did. And when I wrote with it, it wrote just fine. I left it in my Toyoka pen tray. No problems. I even carried it in my pen wrap, in my bag, no problems. The moment I handed it over to you, it's like it exploded almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you could have just, you know, dipped it in ink like any other normal person would when they try to, you know, write with pens. <laughs> I could have done that. I could have done that. So anyways, it's in quarantine right now. It's in my ultrasonic. Uh, it, I could probably already start writing with it, but I do need uh, an extra sack to repair mm. the the actual um, filler mm. um, is no problems at all. It's totally fine. Mm. Um, I just need to have a sack and attach it to the nipple, which is going to be a bit hard. But let's see. And uh, Hopefully I can uh, get this pen back to you. I know you, you'll probably let it go. Um, but I do think that it's, uh, 
it's a pretty cool nib, um, I would say. And mm. on top of that, I do want to to say that I have kind of you know pushed it against my fingernail a bit. It feels like a bouncy zoom nib. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely got a bit of flex, I would say. Not like it's not a flexy pen for sure, but it does have quite a bit of bounce to it. Mm. It does, and um, yeah, it got some bounce and also has quite a bit of feedback. So it's an unusual nib. Uh, I want to find out more about you know what was the idea behind this nib because all I found was this was one very brief mention in this book, as I said. So I, I want to see if I can find anything more about it. But it's an interesting. You nib. should ask. You should ask uh, Mr. Pilot. Mr. Pilot, that uh, of course, of course, yeah. There's actually one uh, Wagner event coming up pretty soon. I think in in, um, in Hamamatsu. I'm not sure I will go, but otherwise maybe at the main pen trading event. In June. in June or something, yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so that was just the first of my, my pilot pens. And then, um, as you know, I well, we're both following Kingdom Note. And as many people, many listeners might know, Kingdom Note update their website daily with new second-hand listings. Um, and the most popular second-hand listings, they disappeared in, I was like, less than five seconds. So, because... Usually among like the daily listing to like two or three like really really good ones So you have to be rather fast uh, But that also means that if you do see something you get an immense amount of FOMO and you kind of have to buy it so it, it It's very dangerous to, to follow King Note. So anyway, I I've been I've been <laughs> I've been uh, watching King Note and I think one or two days after getting the signature nib I saw a capless LS for a very good price, and I jumped on that. And um, I, I, I love this pen. See why this capless LS? It might be one of my one of my favorites already. I don't understand this pen. Um, I don't understand this pen because, like, I own a capless, mm. and. For me, the point of a capless is the click, right? Like, I want to click mm. it and annoy people. I want to go click, 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 click. And the capless LS doesn't make a sound. Well, to to explain it in terms that Mike Hurley would appreciate and understand, a capless is has a Cherry MX blue switches. A capless LS has a Topre or a Cherry MX red switches. You still have a bit of tactile feedback, but it's linear and it's very smooth. I'm not sure if you got that reference. I disagree. <laughs> okay. I, I, I got the reference, but I disagree. I disagree because, I mean, you do get a bit of a tactile feedback when you mm. press down, right? Um, there is a bit of resistance when, when you actually click it, even though it does make a click, which is awful. Um, but then when you, when, you, when you retract the nib, right? Yeah. That's the most unsatisfying thing ever. But it's, it's very quiet and luxury. It's perfect for the boardroom. <laughs> you know what I want? Right. That's what I want. But, but the, <laughs> the clicking mechanism aside, there's something that makes the LS feel more premium. I, I can't put my finger on it. It might just be the, the extra heft or it might be the shape. I'm not sure, but it feels very, it does feel very premium. I think it was redesigned. It was mm. redesigned from the regular capless. It mm. is heavier. 
and the the clip is different and it's more sleek. Yeah, and yeah. on top of that, I have to say that the way they did their black um, coating and trimming, having it all matte, yeah, it does feel good in the hands. And also, it's also a very small detail, but but the fact that it's matte black but with a small small red stripe on one side. Yeah, there's like only one right. like little red part. Right. right, that combination like matte black and with a little red stripe to me that feels like a pen that an admiral at a Death Star would use. <laughs> Uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's been probably my my most used pen um, this week, and I, I, I mean, it might be the honeymoon. I might end up selling it. You know, you know how I am. But right now, I I'm I'm in a capless LS honeymoon. Yep. Anyway, that was yep. still just the second one, and then just one or two days later, I got another Kingdom Note notification, and this time it was an eight four five with a double. Wait, rod. before you, sorry, go ahead. before you you get there yeah. though, because um, I do want to say I do want to say that um, these Kingdom Notes mm. they are kind of annoying because they send an email out, right? Mm. They send an email out, uh, but when they send the email, it's already too late. Yes. It's too late it's for the good stuff. It's too late. I mean, not for everything. Some of the listings end up there for a day or even more. But the good stuff, what you really want, goes, as I said, like in five seconds or less. But but the thing is, it's not even that. It's that they update the website at 12. They send the email at 12.10. So you're already 10 minutes late. Yeah. So once I was literally in Kingdom Note, I was in the store. I was in the physical store. Yeah. I received the email at like uh, 12.10. Right. And instantly I go to the counter and said, I want this pen. But which was, by the way, an Ebony King of Pen right. for like $300. Yeah. And like, oh no, it's already sold. Hmm. And I was like, why did you send the email then? Why, why do you bother? That's, that's annoying. But yes, anyways, you have a clever solution around that. Yeah, I, I'm getting a push notification on my phone the moment they update the website, um, which is a double-edged sword, right? The good thing is... The good thing and the bad thing is that uh, I see the good stuff very early and I ended up end up buying a bit too much. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So I have two more Kingdom Notes acquisitions. So I like one or two days late after the Capitalist LS, I, I saw an 845. I've been looking for an 845 with a double broad nib. Uh, there, there are various listings. Like a few, few months ago, there were some really good listings on Mercury, but Mercury has gone pretty bad recently most of the listings now are just way too expensive and boring boring and expensive but then there was one on kingdom note for a very good price well pretty good price for an almost new pen so i had to get that too but this pen i haven't actually inked up yet i i i need to sell some pens before i allow myself to even ink it up so it's sitting there in a box i can't say much about this pen yet i don't allow myself to use it yet all right all right and then finally, one or two days later, again, um, I got a notification and it was a, a Custom Heritage 912. And here the price was... And this one goes to me, right? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> like, the price was so good that I knew that either I buy it right now on the spot without reading the full description, without looking at all the photos or... Yeah, which is what you need to do. Right. So I didn't even see what nib it was. I just saw custom 912, fantastic price. I need this. I bought it. 
And it turns out there was a music nib, and I hate music nibs, so yeah, you're gonna get it. Excellent. So you can, you, I'm very, very happy. You can do your, your flexilicious thing for your customers. Or maybe I should, uh, maybe I should, um, maybe I should stack it. Didn't you, all, way, didn't you already do that? The music and uh, there was some. Frank I did that on a, on a platinum. By the way, I'm seeing a uh, Emperor for 30,000 right now. Should I get it? On Mercury, right? On Mercury. Yeah, that one went down from 40. But it's just a regular like M or B, right? It, it, it has a tab, but it has, doesn't have an interesting nib. Yeah, it, it has a tab, but it's an MF, but I have interesting nibs. By all means. Go ahead. God damn it. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I have been uh, spending some time on Mercari, mm. as they say. Mercari. By the way, there is a there is a Mercari in uh, in the U.S. Um, and they're very similar, but I think their UX is actually better than the one in uh, in Japan. Japan has more interesting stuff, mm. though. Um, but anyways, so uh, with that. Uh, now that's my second pilot. Uh, sorry, my second sailor. I also bought another sailor with uh, Fudidamannen from one of my favorite sellers, Parisan. Ah, yeah, yes. She, yeah. I think, so, ha- has a lot of interesting listings and usually good prices. Yeah. Uh, she has a lot of Zoom nibs, um, a, a lot of like exclusives. Mm. So I bought this uh, Tsutaya Shoten. Um, it's like a Tsutaya Iro. Um, it's like this green shimmery color uh, pen that uh, the pen I'm going to sell the nib I'm going to take uh, so it's perfect I can swap the the MF nib into this uh, into this pen is that that friendship pen so there was this well, it's been like one or two like Staya Takashimaya friendship pens right I'm not sure there's no mention of Takashimaya on the description uh, of the pen mm. um, but it is pretty cool. It's uh, Tsutairo, mm. and it's uh, Naginata Fudedemanen. And the reason why I wanted to get this is because um, I don't actually own a Sailor Fudedemanen, so I, I do want to try it. And apparently, okay, so I'm reading it now. It says it's the second year anniversary pen for um, Tsutaya's Daikanyama shop, limited to 50 uh 50 pieces. But hold on, didn't you get a footed demand and that someone like bent back? <laughs> yeah, I did, and I sold it. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was a... <laughs> oof. But I'm seeing that uh, Parasan has another pen, which is actually really, really beautiful. Um, it is uh, Biseginga from... Usagiya, and this looks like a full-size pro gear mm. uh, with a music nib. I think and I saw that, that one, yeah. Yeah, it is very, very pretty, but it, it is expensive. Yeah, there are many temptations on the second-hand markets here. I know, right? I know, I know. But um, I have been also welding. I welded my first uh, two-stack sailor, which was a great success. I feel like the shape is actually easier to weld than platinum's. So I'll probably move the emperor onto that pin. So now that you've been doing some welding, what, I mean, what what have you learned so far? I mean, what 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 is easy? What what is difficult? And I mean, what makes two pens easy to two nibs easy to weld? Um, the shape of the nib is really important. Whether the top 
part of the pen, uh, the top part of the nib and the bottom part of the nib stack together. Uh, that's really important. Um, I think that's probably the challenge that most people are running into is that the uh, nibs don't stack perfectly. So the welding in itself obviously depends on the way that you weld it, but the welding in itself, um, I would say, yeah, cutting the, the nib and the tipping Mm. so that they fit onto each other perfectly is uh is the most difficult because um if you read the article that i wrote there are um you know roughly three three kind of thoughts on how to how to stack the nibs mm. um the first one is kind of like the the oldest one um which we call i called it like the old style and uh that's a bit more simplistic it's probably how most people are stacking um, nibs right now, mm. um, and that's I would say very basic, I suppose, but not very. Um, you you get less nib, I guess. Um, I don't know how how to say, it, but mm. yeah, I, I think it, it looks a bit less interesting. Um, I've done that style. Uh, I've done that style on my um what do you call it the platinums that i stacked uh in concord Mm. because uh the platinum nibs don't have such a large bump on the top and so yeah that's uh that's something that i have done before there's a zure style which gets you a even larger flat point but sacrifices most of the nib um and there's the new style, which is the hook style, which is the one that I am doing right now. And because I'm trying to hook the nibs onto each other, that's, uh, that does increase the difficulty by a lot. Mm. So I'm wondering because, you know, for, for the, the second nib, you're only really using like the tipping in a very small part of the nib. Like So considering that, given that there are some... Um, there are some vintage nibs that are pr- quite small, but yet have a large amount of tipping. So, for example, right, these Pilot Super 200 nibs, like the nibs themselves are quite small, but you can find Pilot Super 200 nibs with coarse, uh, coarse nibs, right? So would it be possible to yep. take, say, like the, the, the base nib being like a regular like uh, Pilot Size 15, but for the second layer, use one of those old nibs with a, with a big tipping? That is so interesting that you ask because I have just done one. Okay. So the answer is yes, then I guess. But you need to find a nib that fits perfectly um, that can stack to, mm. to each other. So the bottom side and the top side have to align. Right, right. I'm also thinking maybe I should weld some nibs together uh, and make like a like a gold nib style parallel mm. pen, which I think would be hilarious. Oh, yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. So anyways, um, we're going to talk more about sure. stacking nibs uh, later, yeah. but we do want to get to some news. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Note has shocked the world yet again with their latest bird series, their bird-themed pens. And these are... Pro Gear Minis, not to be confused with the Pro Gear Slims. Now, Pro Gear Minis um, are 
basically um, mini versions of the full size mm. pen. So you get a full size, fully swappable 21k nib. You can you can swap this onto your uh, Pro Gears. You can even swap the section out with your Pro Gear and your 1911 Ls. And so they are much more rare. Something that I do want to note is that these Pro Gear Minis have still the back threading. The threading, yeah. And the Pro Gear Slim Minis, the ones that Ancora are uh, are releasing, yeah. those have been redesigned to remove that back threading. So there is a difference between those two models. And so, anyways, they they've released uh, or they released the first of the series, which is the Kingfisher. And this Kingfisher um, Kawasami pen, it's kind of cute. A lot of people like it. I haven't haven't seen any f- photos yet, but is this the first time that Kingdom Note is doing a uh, a full size mini? They, they did this like sea slug pens. They were slim minis, right? I think the sea slugs were slim minis, but then the little amoebas that they recently had, those are full size. Okay. Yeah, and um, well-known scalper, which I won't name yet because we might do a full episode on them uh, very soon. They've already um, started to scalp this pen and to sell it. Of course. Yeah, but it is a it is a fairly cute pen. I've just sent the link over to your line so you can see it. But it's it's quite cute. I think they they did nail the color blocking on this one. It kind of looks like the May pen from Ancora, but with an orange section and is of course it's full size. So yeah, it's it's quite good. There's a bit of translucency there on the barrel, right? Yes. So what I like about Kingdom Notes sailors is they're, they're not always what you would necessarily call the most beautiful pens, but I think they do some interesting experiments with colors like the the, the vegetable pens right the day i think they they're a bit more wild than yeah, some of the for other sure pens. for sure and uh and they kind of started this like store exclusive thing i think if i'm not mistaken with their original store exclusive inks and they're doing so many of them i, I don't know any retailer that's doing so many store exclusive seller like inks and pens as kingdom notes well the good thing about kingdom note or i don't know if it's good for the consumer but and the smart thing about Kingdom Note is that they only release them in series. And mm. most of their series have like five or six of them. So, you know, you see one that you really like and all of a sudden you have five different pens. Gotta catch them all. And they're so cute. They're so darn cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in other news, we do have some kind of uh, news about EMS. Yes, I saw this in my news feed uh, a few days ago. So they uh, the main topic, or at least if you look at... Japan Post's own announcement. The main topic was that they have increased the prices for their EMS shipping. So depending on uh, the weight, it's like between like 400 and up to several thousand yen of uh, extra fees, sh- shipping fees. But then like, by the way, they said from June, we're going to start, start resume um, EMS shipping to the US. And I think for many of our listeners, I think that that's the more interesting um part here that they are going to resume EMS shipping to the US. Now, I mean, both of us know that 
And both of us are using Yamato for shipping to the US. And I think now the prices are gonna be almost equal. So for us, there's no real point probably in using EMS. But I think if you are buying from like Nagasawa or many of the other retailers that offer international shipping, they don't offer Yamato, right? They usually offer Japan Post or like expensive courier options like DHL or, or FedEx, right? So for if you're buying from those places, I think uh, this is going to be very good news. Yeah, I, I would say that the only positive thing about this is shipping inks. Mm. Otherwise, um, I, I really don't see a reason uh, to use EMS, especially since the price is going to be increased. Um, so it, it's <laughs> on parity with, with Yamato, who ships by UPS. What I would like them to do is reopen to Canada, please. I uh, really want to ship stuff to Canada um, with some tracking. It's a bit unclear because in if you look at Japan Post's own announcement, they talk about like North America, and but then if you go to their listing of like available like shipping options by country, they're still saying that Canada is not available. So I don't think there's any change for Canada, but I, I would I would love to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Japan. Yeah, but and, and because you can send like to Japan from most of these countries, right? Yeah. But the other yeah. way, for some reason, doesn't work. And I know that our friend Hiroko Bokomondo is struggling with this because obviously she also has customers in uh, like Canada and elsewhere, and and shipping is becoming a headache for her. Yeah. So, um, if uh, if you're listening to this, Japan Post, we want to ship to Canada. That would be lovely. And we're going to enter a third state of emergency. And by the way, I want to take some time here to make some political commentary on the Japanese government. I sense a one-star review coming up now. <laughs> so I have to say that, uh, first of all, COVID is not a hoax. Uh, if you think it's a hoax, probably you need to go on Google and search coronavirus. Um, but given that COVID is not a hoax. We have to look at how other countries are doing as a benchmark, I think. And as far as I'm aware, Japan is the worst island country. The worst island country. And why I emphasize that is because Japan, being an island country, has full control over its borders, right? So we could have been Taiwan, right? We could have been Australia. We could have been New Zealand, right? Those countries or regions or mm. whatever you want to call them. I don't want to get into an argument about that, right? That's not the point. I'm talking about COVID. But those places have mm. literally, literally had like, like eight, nine, ten months without local transmission, Right, they go around maskless in their little island paradises, and Japan, you know, because instead of having something strict at the beginning, we decided to encourage people to travel. We had over a thousand people, a thousand cases in Osaka yesterday. So yeah. while we could have been Australia and New Zealand, instead we decided to be the UK. In a way, it's actually worse. It's in worse. Specific, in a specific sense, because in Japan, uh, apparently there's requirement for vaccine trials 
to be done in Japan. And that is the reason why so far only the Pfizer vaccine has been approved in Japan. The other ones are still undergoing trials in Japan. Yeah. While they've been approved everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of like per capita, right? Mm. For every 100 people, Japan has one person vaccinated. One mm. person vaccinated. This is absolutely just infuriating honestly like like uh the uk has 64 percent vaccination we have 1.7 so like i mean the japanese government does many many things right such as healthcare and insurance um but i mean please for the love of humanity i mean Please, just do some strict lockdown. We're going to go into the third lockdown. Um, but what does that mean for for retailers and for events? Every state of emergency is slightly different than the previous one. And we, we're actually already in a sort of semi-state of emergency. Exactly. They, they call us something else, and it's hard to keep track of what exactly is happening. But this time, starting tomorrow or Monday, I think... Um, they are now saying that establishments that are selling alcohol or karaoke bars, they have to close completely. And big department stores, I think like over 1,000 square meters or something like that, they are asking them to close. So many of the big department stores in Tokyo, like, you know, Takashimaya, Mitsukoshi, and so on, they are actually going to either close completely or they're going to close everything except for like the, 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 the grocery stores. Which, by the way, makes no sense at all because if you've gone to these department stores, you'll know that the upstairs is empty. Like nobody is going upstairs. People are going downstairs to the supermarket. That's where it's crowded. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so these measures make absolutely no sense. And again... Yeah. We could have been Australia, but we're choosing to be the UK. So, uh, w- worse, because we have no vaccinations. So, Bong Box is going to close, even though it is, it's not exactly 1,000 square meters. And it's, it's empty just, all the time. Yeah, that's that too. But Bong Box is going to close. Some events are going to be postponed. So I know that there was going, there's going to be this um, YY Pen Day in, was it Kobe, I think? That's right. And that's going to be postponed. And also, um, Nagahara was going to have a pen clinic at Nagasawa, and that's also going to be that's right. And why uh, postponed? Too. Yeah. Yep. Do you know if their um, e-commerce shops will still open? I don't know for sure, but I kind of assume that. Yeah. Because I, I think I think I mean obviously the the Hamamatsu one is probably going to be. Up and running, I think most of the e-commerce is is been like the the logistics are managed from Hamamatsu. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I mean, you know, we're all tired of the pandemic. Uh, you have pandemic fatigue. I have pandemic fatigue. You know, everybody has pandemic fatigue. But just the, the fact that you know we are so hell bent on running the olympics right which is by the way hilarious i wonder what the officials like who actually work there um you know do they actually seriously think it's going to happen but you know we're so hell-bent on having these olympics that we are forgetting to do anything else so you know that's just it's just a shame We, we could have been maskless running around now but um 
Yeah, maybe. But, but, but one, one more thing that's, that's going to happen from tomorrow is that as part of the state of emergency, you are not required, but you're asked not to travel between prefectures. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons why the state of emergency is right now is that we are just about to... to um, like the, the golden week is about to start, which is one of the two times a year where, where Japanese people are traveling allowed, a lot. And they're allowed to take time off from work. It's a 10-day yes. holiday. Well, not really. It's five days, but then most people take like three days off and make it a 10-day holiday. So I was actually thinking of maybe going to uh, Hiratka to, for a pilot's maquillage museum, mm-hmm. but I probably won't do that now because of the state of emergency. So some other day, some other time. Yeah, it's uh, it's just very frustrating. You know, Japan does a lot of good things, to be honest. Japan, you know, it's a great country to live in. But I think if something uh, out of the ordinary or the expected happens, oof, we're awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so. On to the main topic. So prior to, uh, you know, the main, main topic, I, I did want to talk a little bit about my Kansai trip because a lot of people nice. had pretty good reactions to my Kansai trip. Um, so I think four or five weeks ago, uh, I went to Kansai just alone um, myself for two days. I visited uh, four cities and hit up some of the stores there. Uh, I wasn't able to go to every single one of them, but I did Nagasawa. Um, I did Pen and Message. I did Sankodo. And a lot of people like that. So if you are interested in seeing um, those shops, I do have it uh, saved on my uh, on my story highlights. If you if you look at um, my highlight, I believe it says Japan pen shops. You'll be able to see all these pen shops uh, in Japan and how they're set up and the kind of variety that they have. But um, on top of that, actually. I think the week after, I went to Bungbox because Nagahara was having a uh, pen clinic there. And usually I don't go to those pen clinics because I don't, um, you know, for lack of a better phrasing, I don't really, uh, how should I say this? I don't have a need to go to Nagahara to get my nibs ground. Um, I don't, I just don't need to go. So I, I usually don't because he's quite expensive. But I did have a few customers who wanted specifically a Nagahara grind. So I booked two slots with Nagahara. And I'm quite glad that I did because I was able to get a lot of interesting information out of him. So Jacob, you went last time, you asked him a bunch of, uh, about like zoom nibs and, yeah, uh, yeah. and cross nibs. So I kind of wanted to make a, a follow-up. And now you hadn't seen any of these answers until like uh, yesterday or something. I still haven't seen the answers, so I, I I don't know what you talked about with him. All right, so this is Jacob reacts to things, and I need your reactions, okay? <laughs> okay. So um, last time you and you and he had this kind of discussion about overseas people making cross points, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to follow up with that uh, with him as well. Um, and so obviously he's never, or I don't know if it's obvious, but he's never actually written with uh, cross points that were made by uh, makers overseas. So I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think? And he says that 
they look very nice. Um, especially uh, Monty Winfield said mm. looked really really nice, and he'd never written with one. I think he would enjoy that. So Monty, if you're listening, um, you know Nagahara may may be interested in trying one of your stack nibs. Um, but I asked him specifically. I I said, what do you think? When people stack nibs and call them cross points, mm. um, do you do you appreciate that, or or do you think they should call it something else if it's right. it's like not made by by you or by Sailor? Mm. And he said something very interesting. He said, "Well, you know, just like when I make a nib and the nib's shape is you know fatter horizontally uh, and um, thinner." Uh, vertically right that's mm. uh that's an architect and if i make a nib that is thinner uh horizontally and fatter vertically that's an italic so if you stack two nibs together that's a cross point and he kind of said it in this matter of fact way he's like yeah i want them to call it cross point because that's what it is and he said that one of the reasons why he would like other people to call them cross points is because he believes this actually leaves a legacy for Nagahara Senior, mm. right? Because Nagahara Senior uh, made this nib, invented this nib, mm. and you know the more people who call it cross point, the more people who are doing this, it's kind of like a legacy for. Nagahara Senior mm. and his work kind of lives on in what mm. he's created. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That is the interesting, and I remember hearing something similar from him from him about the Naginata Toginibs. I can't remember what the context was, but we were ask, talking about you know the new names that he had come up for his grind when he couldn't call them, you know Naginata Togi for you know copyright reasons mm-hmm. or you know. To, to, to make sure Sailor doesn't get upset, but he there was clearly some amount of resentment about that because in his view that's not Sailor's name that is that is his father's name. You know he came up with it, with the grind. He came up with a name like Sailor sort of like they just he has happened to be working at Sailor at the time. Now obviously maybe not. Nagahara isn't entirely up to date on like intellectual property law, but but he, there's clearly an amount of resentment towards Sailor in what he's saying. And what's really curious, and we might have even said this on the podcast before, but Sailor used to call Naginata nibs. They used to call them Nagahara nibs. Mm. And so, if you use a Wayback Machine, uh, you can actually find up until just very recently, I think up until 2017. All of the the pages referred to Naginatas as Nagahara nibs, and now sometime around like three four years ago, they redesigned their website and they mm. scrubbed all of the references to Nagahara nibs. So now you can't find that name anymore. Is that around the same time as they changed the the engraving on the nib? It is. Mm. Yep, and so of course I had to ask him, you know. Uh, had he made stack nibs in Sailor? He said, yeah, I, yeah, I've made stack nibs before. So I said, well, why don't you make stack nibs now? I mean, mm. w- would you want to? And he said that he wouldn't want to make stack nibs anymore, uh, not because he can't make them, 
but because it might cause some issues with the manufacturers. Because yeah. if I, uh, you know, I get a stack nib from Nagahara today, right, and then I sell this pen, mm. um, he obviously I know, and I'll bring it back to Nagahara. But maybe you know, twenty years later. Um, the other person doesn't know, and they all they see mm. is on the nib it's imprinted sailor. So they twenty years later they bring it to sailor and say, "What the heck? This isn't ours, uh, and we're not mm. going to deal with it." So it might create problems down the line, and that's why he doesn't want to to do that. That's similar to what he said to me, and I remember he was talking about this episode where he was still working at Sailor. And someone, some nib, some nibmeister in Taiwan had made a, a stacked nib from some Japanese nibs. And, and that, that pen manuf- the pen manufacturer found out about that and contacted Seder and asked, you know, what's going on here? Did, did, did Nagahara do this? So mm-hmm. I think he, he wants to maintain all these sort of good relationships, with, especially with, with Japanese manufacturers. Yeah. At least he wants to avoid like troubles and mm. um, yeah, it's it's we call it in Japanese we say mendoksai, which means it's a pain in yeah. the butt, and he just doesn't want to deal with that. Mm. Um, and I remember last time you asked him, you asked him uh, what he thought about the kind of skyrocketing prices of these stack nibs. Yeah, you said um, he found it a bit amusing. Yeah, I, I followed up with that. And um, I asked, you know, what do you think about people, you know, selling these uh, older Naginatas for ridiculous prices? Mm. He told me that he actually doesn't like it. Um, And he said that, he said, if I bring a grind to him and then I resell that grind, right? So I bring a pen to him, he grinds it, and then I resell it. He's Mm. totally fine with that. And his argument is that because if I bring it to a pen clinic, I've paid him directly. But the nibs that he did at Sailor, right? Sailor didn't pay him for making those Mm. nibs. I mean, they paid him a salary, but they didn't pay him like anything, you know, extra or on top for these for these uh, nibs. So there was no there was no nib related performance bonus. No. So. So in a way, if you sell for extra, according mm. to Nagahara, that's kind of like profiting off of his work and he mm. didn't get anything for that. Mm. So he thinks it's okay if I bring him a Zoom nib, I ask him to grind it in their resale. And apparently people are doing this. Um, people ask, send like six mm. nibs to, to uh, Junior, ask him to grind it and then go out and resell it. Um, and he's totally fine with that because he's received the money. He's received what he thinks is fair compensation. Mm. But essentially what he's said is that at Sailor, he didn't receive fair compensation for those nibs that he did. Yeah, it all goes back to his resentment towards Sailor, which comes back every single time you talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also asked him, so, you know, Sailor made these stack nibs. Why didn't other manufacturers do this? You know, because mm. like, it's kind of a, great idea right it's it's cool mm. and his answer was because it's very expensive yeah and so that piqued my curiosity because i was like well yes they are very expensive but if it were so expensive then why did sailor do them and mm. um he told me that 
when Nagahara Sr. created the first uh, stack nibs, he kind of um, he kept it a secret from Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just in his little, you know, working right. room uh, in his office or something, you know, the, the, cutting the, away the, at nibs. The Nagahara Skunkworks project. Yeah, and nobody kind of knew what he was doing, but he was just, you know, doing them and then selling them mm. to his uh, customers that he met at Penn Clinics. And and then word kind of got out. Mm. And by the time Sailor found out, they were already popular. So they were forced into making them because customers kept on asking for right. these. So he was like, yeah, well, Sailor didn't have a choice. But, um, but in terms of the other manufacturers, it's it's a very expensive and sometimes wasteful uh, exercise. So, so the other manufacturers um, didn't want to do it. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has mentioned the, the yield before, right? Because for every for every stack nib, you're going to ruin a few nibs. And sure, you you can probably um, use that gold, but still, there's some cost associated with getting those back into nibs. Yeah, and so I asked him what he thought about the sailor price increases. Mm. And he said, well, finally, they're increasing the prices to what these things are actually worth. Mm. So he's actually happy that they're increasing their prices. Because he thinks that um, sailor pens were too cheap um, right. back in the day. Which, which is interesting because um, they were in line with the other manufacturers in fact you know and i asked them specifically i said but if you look at platinum's 3776 those nibs are bigger and yet it's you know half the price of a sailor of a comparable nib and um he said that uh nakata shacho so president nakata um did a lot of work a lot of work on cost reduction and including qc well, we didn't specifically talk about that, but he did say that he respected um, Nakata-san a lot mm. because Nakata-san actually um, went in to the business and tried to reduce the costs to keep profits, whereas mm. Sailor kind of just ran wild and undersold their pens. Oh, which I, 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 I am not sure if I agree I think that if they need to sell it at that price, this business is not, um, you know, very efficient. So there are definitely, I think, um, issues with uh, factory efficiency in Sailor. But Nagahara says that he actually thinks Sailor is doing the right thing because mm. it's um, it's finally getting up to what it actually costs to make them. Obviously, when we say costs. Sailor also has to pay its employees. It sounds like there's almost an implicit assumption here from his end that this would be, this would mean that they're going to pay their nib workers a bit better. Well, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, have no no, um, no comment on that. But I did ask him. So, no. what other like manufacturers? What overseas manufacturers does he like? Oh, okay. And he gave me this really interesting answer. He said, I don't know. I don't write. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't write with pens. <laughs> but I wonder if that is true or, or if it's just his like OIG humor. I think that is actually true because his handwriting is actually awful. Um, but while he doesn't um, really care about you know other manufacturers and other pens, he says he respects Pelican. He says Pelican still grinds as uh, as if grinding is a bit of like an art form, whereas Mont Blanc is just very much factory. Which to me is so interesting because you always hear about issues on Pelican nibs. Well, the, during a certain period of time, right? Is that still the case? I thought, I thought that it was there was just like, just like Visconti, there was a certain time when they had problems. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the exact time frame, but he said that I think he said a few years ago for for, mm. for a man of his age. I don't know if a few years ago means like 2019 or 2010. Um, but he said a few years ago he uh, he went out and bought pelicans mm. because he wanted to study to check how pelican was grinding their nibs. He did the same for Mont Blanc, and he was disappointed in Mont Blanc's grinds. Mm. Yeah. But I would also assume that given that he is now a like, nib worker, he's in Japan, I would assume that like, just based on the kind of pens that he gets to work on from his customers, he gets a lot more exposure to like Pelican pens than say like your like regular like Jovo or box sticks. In Japan, that is probably true. Yeah. I also asked him, uh, and this was a question from a listener. I asked him mm. if he was interested in pen design or if he wanted to design his ideal pen. And he said, I'm not interested in that because I don't use pens. I don't write. There you go again. I see. I see. Um, but I did ask him, you know, uh, what was the split between people asking for grinds and adjustments? Because we have, mm. you know, on this podcast had lengthy discussions about how grinding is not really a, a thing in Japan. And he said that he gets about 50-50 um, in terms of the, the percentage he says that half the people ask him for just, you know, flow adjustments and mm. the other half ask him to, like, grind stuff. And then he singled out. He said, a lot of the customers are young ladies. Mm, he said they're course. young ink numa ladies who, you know, start playing with the ink, start playing with, uh, with the glass pens, and then they kind of evolve or move on to fountain pens. And these ink numa ladies, they, they bring it to him first for adjustment mm. and then they see on his twitter you know all these you know crazy mm. different other grinds and then they start asking for those so he says that's the general pattern because we we know we talked about that before but we know that he actually made a special grind for betuary right he took a regular sailor for the and he turned that into some kind of more suitable for Monoline. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Bechori's many followers are asking for similar grinds. Yeah, I haven't actually seen Bechori write with that, so mm. I do have. I, I do really want to see him write with that one day. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of Inknuma ladies who are seeing those fat, wet nibs that right. Nagahara's doing. And also then associating with, oh, you know, I want to play with inks. So mm. so that is definitely a thing. 
Um, but speaking of fat, wet inks, I asked him uh, why. Uh, oh, sorry, I asked him if he were to give advice for up and coming grinders. Mm. Um, what would he say? And this this answer I think is super interesting. He said, um, he said, if you want to make a living from grinding pens, if you're mm. serious about grinding pens, then I'm always willing to give you some advice to teach you to train you. Mm. But only if you want to take it seriously and if you see that as a future. Specifically, we use the words, um, we use the words, if you want to eat off of this. Right. And, um, so he pointed out, uh, Matthew, uh, Pactagon on right, Instagram right. as somebody who thought was taking grinding very, very seriously. Mm. And he said that, um, uh, him and Masuyama and uh, I think uh, someone else, I don't remember the, the third person, but three of the, you know, big nib grinders, uh, put in a strong recommendation for Matthew to John Modishaw. Oh, so, see. uh, that was very interesting. And he said, if you really are serious about, you know, making a living off of pens and off of grinding, come to me. And he said, if you want to make a, uh, a career out of this, mm. what you should do is not grind all of these complex grinds. You know, don't even think about Naginata. Go grind some fine points. He said, fine points are the hardest to grind. Specifically on the upstroke. To make it not scratchy on that upstroke. And having a very, very fine point. That is very difficult. So make perfect fine points. And then you can start thinking about grinding other shapes. It almost sounds like some kind of like a wax on, wax off kind of advice. Make sure you really master the basics before you try the fancy stuff. Yeah. It's very much like sushi chefs, isn't it? Where right. people are uh, kind of, you know, they're making the, the rice for 30 years before they can touch fish. Right. And very, very interestingly, I think you will find this super interesting. Um, I asked, you know, of all the nibs that you are making right now, you know, you have the Nagahara mm. Special, you have the, the Beak Point, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, there's one nib grind that I don't see on your on your price list. Mm. And if you want to talk about fine points, I want to talk about what's happening to the Saibi Togi. Right, right. Because if you go on his website, you won't find Saibi Togi available for grind. What, what he always says, I can do a needle point. If you ask about Saibi Togi, he says, I do a needle point. Yes. And this is the interesting story. He says that um, he got the idea for the Saibi Togi when he was in the States. Mm. He was in the States uh, doing some kind of a pen show. And um, he said that uh, he borrowed a pen from a lady called Susan. I believe uh. he's referring to Susan Worth. Uh, and he said, and I picked up this pen and it was just so fine. It was so fine that I had to go and recreate it. So he recreated it and he called it the Saibitogi. And now he realizes that what he was calling the Saibitogi is just a needle point. <laughs> 
So just like how he wants people to yeah. call the cross points cross points, he says it makes no sense for me to go out and call it Saibitogi. It already existed as a needle point. Right, right, right. But, but, so, but wait, so, so just just to make sure I understand them. So so we're saying that the Saibitogi, it it is a Nagahara Junior era nib grind. It was not never done by senior. That's correct. Hmm. And. It's just the same as a needlepoint. But but there is this idea, I think you mentioned it, I've heard other people mentioning it, this idea that the Saibitogi is kind of like a reverse Naginata. So I actually, um, I was confused in uh, at first um, because it does have that bend downwards, right? So it mm. kind of did look like a, like a mini Concord. Right. But I think in the end... Um, if I consider it very carefully, I think Nagahara's right. It's just a needle point. Mm. And, you know, the point of that pen was to write the finest line possible. And if you think about it, it's the same as a needle point. And he said that pen inspired him to try to make needle points that mm. would not catch the nib when you stroke up. But so who, who came up with the name Saibitogi? Why? I believe he did. And mm. then, uh, yeah, he, he realized it was just needlepoint, I guess. So now he's calling right. them needlepoints. Interesting. And there ends my, uh, my report uh, of the Nagahara event. So one thing I'm wondering, uh, going back to what you talked about, these uh, nibs from non-Japanese uh, nib makers, I guess a bit of a tangent, but if you wanted a nib with as much tipping as possible not just like on the side like a stub but mm-hmm. actually like a drop in order to do a naginata togi is there any nib maker other than sailor like is there any nib maker overseas that that has like standard production nibs with as much tipping as sailor platinum and pilot and i don't i don't mean like special order like mont blanc like 6b but like in their standard production lines I believe that the Pelican um, M800BB does have enough tipping, but it's not as big as the Zoom nib. But it's but it's still more more stub like, right? No, it, it is a is it is it is a drop. Oh really? Drop, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but other than that, uh, not really. I think unless you get Greg Manuskin to retip it. Yeah, but that, that that goes. That's not exactly production line <laughs> anymore. No, 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 no. Cool. Anyway, this was a very interesting follow-up, and he clearly like every time we, we we talk to him, there's there's so much like like every second answer shows a certain amount of resentment towards Sailor, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he fully like. I don't think he hates Sailor, but I think there is, as you say, a tinge of um, regret at the management. Well, yeah, I think I think there's sort of two parts to it at least. One is, and he keeps mentioning that that they are the nib workers are underpaid. He also feels like there is this Nagahara senior legacy that yep, like, yep. he wants to preserve the Nagahara legacy and not something that's just associated with sailor. That's right. That's right. That's right. And um, yeah, he's very intent on legacy, mm. um, and you know, respects his father's work a lot. Yeah. I mean, he, he recognizes that it's different, 
but you know gives his father a lot of credit for for starting something uh, with such lasting impact on the industry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So so yeah, that's been the episode. Uh, anything else to add? No, I think I think that's it. Uh, another very good Nagahar episode. Uh, I think we we now have a pretty good understanding of what his opinions and um, and we will learn some interesting backstory behind some names and yeah. products. And and you know what? Um, for the listeners out there, if you have questions that you want to ask Nagahara, you should comment them on the website that we have. Our website is uh, TokyoInklings.com. Uh, you can comment on the website on this episode and say, "Hey, I want to know this from Nagahara. If you get the chance to talk to him again, can you please ask this question?" And you know, whenever we go to these events, we will try to to ask those questions and, and to find out more because this is quite interesting for us as well. Yeah. All right. So with that said, thank you everybody so much. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at TokyoStationPens.com, on Instagram at TokyoStationPens, and on Twitter at TokyoStationMNH. And my name is Jacob. I'm Fudefan on Instagram and on Twitter, and I have a much-neglected blog at Fudefan.com. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.